only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hey, this is it. This is another round of the Ball Guys podcast. And uh, I guess for today and our special guest, we go from being Ball Guys to Puck Guys, I guess. Yeah, Puck Guys today. Why not, right? Uh, we're talking all things hockey with uh, Kevin Falness. He's our guest uh, from the Minnesota Wild Radio Network. Kevin, how how's it going, man? I'm bored. Out of my mind, I'm bored. But we're getting through it. You know, it's, I'm sure it's the same with everybody else. Uh, that little four-game run in the middle of the summer was fun, what yeah. we t- called the uh, qualifying round. But, man, oh, man, I could use some something to do right about now. <laughs> yeah, we missed some rink time, that's for sure. And we're super bummed out down here in Cato, uh, Kevin, because, you know, we were slated to host Hockey Day in Minnesota and the COVID's messed that up for us. So now we got to, what, I guess wait till next year, huh? Yeah, yeah that, that Hockey Day in Minnesota has been a blast. I, I don't even know how many years they've been doing it. It seems like minimum 10, probably closer to 15 years and some awesome stops along the way. I remember the Stillwater one it really springs to mind. Minneapolis not th- too long ago. And Mankato would have been awesome. Um I say would have been, it will be eventually if we get this uh, garbage under control. But uh, I know that Mankato is going to be an awesome host city. So I'm very much looking forward to it whenever it happens. Sounds like we had some great plans. So we just have to put them on hold, I guess, uh, for a little bit. I guess we're used to doing that now. Um, Yeah, I mean, everything's up in the air, right? I mean, I've I've got two kids in uh, youth hockey, and it looks like that's about to come to a screeching halt, at least for the time being. And it's. You know, it stinks. I mean, I've got a uh, eight year old and a 10 year old in youth hockey, mm-hmm. which which sucks. But I can't imagine being in a high school kid or in your senior year and yeah. to see it come to a grinding halt. And we know what everybody's been through over the course of the last nine months. So I, I know our story is just a drop in the bucket. It definitely could be worse, but it doesn't make it any easier. No, no. Well, I want to suck up to uh, to you right away, Kevin. You always suck up to the guest, and uh, can I? I'm, and I, I'm going to say this honestly now. I love the okay. radio lineup for for wild hockey so much more than the TV lineup. I mean, Spence, you 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 know about this. I, I've expressed this. If I ran into Anthony Lapanta in a dark alley, some <laughs> bad things are bound to happen. I'm just, and I'd start with the hair. I'd mess up the hair right away uh, from the get go. But God, Bob Kurtz and Tom Reed, what what a great duo. I mean, I'm. I, I can't, and I'll suck up to them too. Then, since you're going to suck up to me, they are unbelievable to have to be able to learn at the hands of Bob or the voice of Bob Kurtz, I guess more specifically over the course of the last two decades. I've been one of the most fortunate human beings on earth. He's he's been amazing, great mentor, and Tom Reed is Tom Reed. I mean, he's he's great at his job and all that stuff. But talk about an awesome guy. Uh, I've been really fortunate. I'm sure there's people that work with with guys that uh, aren't aren't so much fun to work with, but Bob and Tom, we we have a blast every night. And that, that's as much as I miss the hockey. I miss the people around the game as much as anything. Whether it's the guys in the locker room, the coaching staff, the fellows that I work with in the uh, broadcast booth. Um, you know, it, it, we're almost a fraternity. 
a, a real dysfunctional fraternity, but it's a fraternity nonetheless. We have such a blast. I'd I'd miss that, and 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 working so close with Bob and Tom for so many years, um, I haven't seen them a lot here in the last uh, few months. So it'd be nice to get things back on track so we could get some hockey going again. Now we're all kind of old farts, so I'm sure George Spence, you guys remember. Uh, probably as a kid turning on the radio and hearing the the voice of Al Shaver, sure, uh, like North Star Games. How good was Al, right? <laughs> Legendary, yeah, that guy was outstanding. Yeah, he. I mean, you talk about varsity. I mean, there, there's a, a handful of people you could name in the same breath as Al Shaver, and there's not a lot of them. Uh, for me, though, thinking about how I grew up listening to Al Shaver. And now there's a flock of young kids that are coming up through the ranks that grew up listening to Bob Kurtz. To me, that blows my mind. To put Bob Kurtz yeah. in the same breath as, as an, an Al Shaver, I mean, he's that good. He's that smooth, and he's that legendary in, in my mind. And I know I'm unbelievably biased, no doubt about it. I'm completely biased when, when I talk about Bob Kurtz and my love and admiration for the man. But he's right up there with Al. And to think that there's kids that have grown up listening to him and going to bed at night, and I know my kid – when he, when he goes to bed, he's not staying up much past 8, 9, 9 o'clock, 9.30. So he's listening to Bob Kurtz put him to bed on some nights when I'm working. And uh, that, to me, blows my mind because he's been around here for now for 20 years calling wild games. That's amazing. Uh, answer me this. Why why does hockey seem to work so well on radio? It, it seems to work a lot better than some of the other major sports, but uh, you got to be really good to do it. That's the point. Yeah, if if you're not good at it, and I mean, it, again, Kurtzy's legendary, but it, it you got to be able to paint the picture, and you got to be able to do a great job, and and Bob does it so effortlessly and seamlessly that he the the picture that he paints for you, and that's why I think uh, Tom compliments him so well because if if Bob does miss something, Tom steps right in and he gives you that player perspective. But I'll tell you, of all of them, whether it be football baseball basketball i don't know that there's a harder game to call on radio in particular than hockey and that's why i think again you tip the cap to bob because he does such a great job of uh, painting that picture for the listener yeah i don't i don't see how you keep track of all that with all the players coming in and off the ice and the pace of the game yeah Yeah. Yeah, to do hockey is a whole nother skill level yeah, you'd have to ask Bob how he does it at such a high level, but I think you kind of pick your your, your spots to, to call out. You can't call everything. You can't describe everything that's going on. A little bit different than a football game. I guess you're not going to describe what's going on on the offensive line all that much unless there's a penalty, but there's so many moving parts. You've got to just kind of pick your spots, and he picks the right spots, and he's been doing it for so long that I think – I'd almost say he could do it with his eyes closed, but I don't know if that would work well for calling a hockey game. But he's he's that good, and that's you know a credit to him. Uh, well, I know you filled in and done some play-by-play too. Just how fast do you recognize a player just by looking at them without seeing their number necessarily? Yeah, for me, doing NHL versus high school or college is a whole different animal. I know it's a faster game on, on the uh, pro level. But I've been watching it for 20 years, so I, I mean, I pick up on the wild guys like this. I'm at every practice. If I'm picking up a high school game out of the blue, that's a different deal. I got to know numbers. If, if I'm watching a high school game, I got to know numbers, and I've got to sit there and memorize uh, it, it, the stat sheet and all that. For the NHL, the wild in particular, I, I don't need anything. I can tell by hair length. I can tell by you know the, the stick they're using. 
Um, and, and, and just a brief look at the numbers, I, I can figure out who it is uh, on the ice on most nights for the Wild. And if it's a, a team that you're not familiar with, let's say it's the Ottawa Senators coming in, I'm going to spend a lot more time calling the, the Wild are going to have the puck a lot more that night than uh, maybe the Ottawa Senators, just because I'm more familiar with that team. But, uh, yeah, it, it is. It, the other good thing that you have going for you when you're calling games in hockey you're up so high that it really does slow down the game. And that's what I tell fans that are, are getting used to the sport and, and want to figure out what, what there is to love about hockey. If you want to see how the play develops and what's going on, get up as high as possible. But if you want to feel the speed and the strength and the, the power of this game, get as close to the glass as possible. Push your face right up to the plexiglass and feel the energy in that building. It's unbelievable. And, to see it up close as opposed to up high, like in the Al Shaver press box, they're two different games, and there's no doubt about it. It's an easy game from up top, but when you look to see how big these guys are and how minuscule the passing lanes are and how, how, how giant these bodies are, it's a whole different game when you get your face right up next to the glass. Yeah, it's really two different experiences. The other thing when you're calling those games is you've got so many foreign-born players that you've got that to trip over as well, right? Yeah, for us, it started with Lubomir Sekarash, and it's gone from there. Now we got Kirill Kaprizov. Some yeah. might call him Kaprizov. Yeah. Um, Kapo Kakinen is another one. I, I called uh, one of the games uh, in New York earlier this season. It was the Wild and Rangers, and it was Kapo Kakinen against Kapo Kako, I think is the guy for the Rangers. Oh, so that's interesting, you know. So <laughs> we've definitely had that. The other thing that you run into, especially in the NHL, is they change their pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Bogard used to be Derek Bogard, and then he changed it because it went better with Boogie, uh, Boogie Man. He, he went with Derek Bogard. <laughs> Another one that uh, really stands out is Kim Janssen. Uh, NHL All-Star for many, many years in the National Hockey League comes to Minnesota. I have him uh, pronounce his name. He says, it's Kim Johnson. I say, wait a second now. It's been Kim Janssen in the National Hockey League for at least a decade. Why are you saying Kim Johnson? I don't know. It feels better. You can't change your name like that, Kim. <laughs> so they do that to us all the time. That, that drives Bob Kurtz mental. It, it drives him nuts when that happens. You think he got it figured out, and then they change it on you. That, that's no good. Yeah, it happens all the time. It's it, it's it's unbelievable. But yeah, it's it, that's part of the fun, I guess, of it. But uh, yeah, and and that's what's so great about the the National Hockey League. It is a global sport. Take out the the, the fact that you have to get the name pronunciations and all that out of the out of the mix. But I mean. What used to be a, an, an all Canadian sport, now there's a huge influx of, 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 of Americans. So you got the North American factor, then you take in what's going on overseas, whether it be in uh, Sweden, uh, Finland, Russia, uh, Slovaks. You got the whole work. So it's uh, it's really a melting pot. You, you, Wild Locker Room is a great example. There's no one. They used to call it the Slovakian Mafia when uh, Marion Gabrick and Pavel Demita and Branko Radovojevic were, were roaming the locker room. And then it became the Finnish Mafia with, with Koivu and Vietnin and Backstrom. But it's a mishmash of everything going on in there these days. Uh, the one that, the one that uh, tripped me up, I, I kind of missed out when uh, Jewel Eriksson got called up. And then I, I tuned into some games and I kept hearing, Eric Sinek, Eric Sinek, and I thought, who is Eric Sadek? I don't know an Eric Sadek. And uh, well, his first name changes on us too. It's uh, it depends on who you ask. I've heard him say it's Jewel. I, to me, it's been Jewel Eric Sinek almost since the beginning. But I hear people call him Joel in the locker room. I, I think they call him 
Joel. I, so I don't know. My, my favorite one is uh, Marion Gabrick. That's pretty straightforward. He was introduced uh, when he was drafted as the Warwick by Doug Risebrow. But Jacques Lemaire, I think, used to needle Gabrick a little bit by calling him Marianne. I don't think <laughs> Gabrick liked that all that much. But it went from Marion Gaborik to Marianne Gabrick, and it's Gaborik, I think is what Jacques would say too. But the Marianne thing was always pretty funny. I think fans usually call him that after a bad game too, but that's just uh, <laughs> that's us. Yeah. Well, so many changes in the off season with the uh, wild organization and uh, Bill Guerin has uh, boy, he hasn't been fooling around, has he? He's really made some moves, and I think uh, fans, I think, are ready for that. But you got you can't just make moves for the sake of making moves, right? You got to do the right thing. How's he? Yeah, done? it feels it feels like he's. I mean, he wants to put his his mark on this team, and I think he successfully has done this during our, this COVID-19 uh, stop and start thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we got through the, the, the playoffs or the qualifying round, uh, he went inside that locker room and kind of turned it inside out. There are some mainstays that are still there, but Miko Koivu's not coming back. Eric Stahl was the one that hit me over the side of the head. I didn't see that one coming. He's gone to Buffalo. Devin Dubnik is gone. So there's going to be the old guard there to some extent. Crazy and Suter aren't going anywhere to, at this point in time, nor is, you know, the mainstays on defense with, with Suter, Dumba, uh, um, Spurgeon, for example. But there's some young guys that are coming in here and, and, and some new faces as well. Bukestads, uh, you know, th- th- there's some, some interesting names that are going to be in, in flux into this locker room. Uh, bringing back uh, Dean Evason as uh, head coach, not flashy, but I don't know. Is he what the team needs right now? Is he just a cheap hire? What What's the thought? Well, I think what they liked uh, so much about Dean Evason was, first of all, he seems to have a really good working relationship with the number one guy on this team prior to Kirill Kaprizov. That's probably going to be your number one guy once we hit the ice, whenever that is, in January or whatever. But Kevin Fiala and Dean Evason seem to be of the – glove meat hand you know and, it, and for whatever reason it's something that has worked for Fiala once he once Everson took uh, over the, the reins of the Minnesota Wild it really felt like Fiala took off and was a, a dominant player in the National Hockey League didn't have the best return to play the qualifying round that, that you could ask for but once this team was playing he had a wonderful exhibition and it, I think they, they hope that he can can light that fire once again, get Kaprizov on the other wing, and then figure out who's going to play in the middle of, between the two. And I think they have some some real possibilities here. But it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But beyond that, Everson has been around this league for many, many years. Was an assistant coach before here, out there in, uh, in Washington. Was a head coach with the Milwaukee Admirals. He's definitely earned the opportunity, and now he gets the chance to, to show that he belongs. So what are the rules right now with the NHL? Can the team practice together? Can they skate together? Can they do something away from, you know, the wild arena? What do, what do they do now to get ready for January? Yeah, I can tell you this much. There's no ice at XL Energy Center. I was just in there within the last couple of weeks, and there's nothing. Uh, so they're definitely not doing anything there. I don't think there's really any organized team activities at this point. I think uh, for the most part, I've heard smatterings of guys skating uh, around the metro, the, the, the folks that are local, not only wild guys, but – NHL guys in particular, because they know at some point this is going to this is going to happen, uh, whether it be January. My guess is it's going to be. A, and again, I don't know anything other than what I read. And this is, you know, just me reading the tea leaves. My guess is it starts sometime in January. Can't imagine it's January 1st because the, the turnaround time is just so short. 
Yeah. But my guess is sometime in January they start. They play a, a 60 to 70 game schedule. And if you're going to play in January, I'm looking at my clock. It's almost Thanksgiving. They've got about a month to get ready and, and maybe even two or three weeks to get ready for a training camp. So believe me, these guys are professional athletes. They're on the ice somewhere. Uh, I don't, it, there's nothing organized at this point. It might be a captain's practice at best, but you know, that's my, my assumption. They're, they're doing something somewhere and they're getting ready for this season whenever it might. There's so many unanswered questions though right now, and that's the problem. Talk about the uh, the goalie position. Dubnik, you mentioned to San Jose. They signed free agent Cam Talbot. Looks like Stalock or Stalock rather may be the uh, the backup. You mentioned uh Capo Kakinen. Where does he fit into the equation? Uh are we we better situated now? I mean, Dubnik just uh just you know had that that one great year and then just frustration after that. Yeah, you got to give credit to Dubnik. You know, I think people got kind of sick of Nicholas Backstrom, too, at the end of his run in a wild uniform. And I think it's the same thing with Devin Dubnik. Uh, you know, it, it was a bad year for, for Dubnik, you know, the off-ice stuff with his, with, his, uh, with his family. His wife was sick, and I think they had problems, uh, you know, getting him mentally in the right frame of mind. So I think they just felt like it was a change. But all due respect to Devin Dubnik, he's one of the best goaltenders in franchise history. What he did for this team – in 2014, I think when he stepped on the ice in Buffalo and led the way, he owns a ton of, of records, uh, franchise records for the Wild and, and what he did between the fights. But I think his time just came to an end. He needs a fresh start. The Wild needed a fresh start, so they got it with Cam Talbot. They turned to him. He's a guy that's definitely had an up-and-down career, but when he's been on, he's been really good. Um, it's going to be up to him to prove that he can still do it at a high level. And he'll have that opportunity here in Minnesota. Uh, Bill Guerin made no bones about it. He's your number one goaltender coming out of camp. Alex Stalock will back him up. And it'll be up to Capo Kakinen to go to the American Hockey League. Again, whenever they take the ice with the Iowa Wild to show that he belongs uh, on the NHL level and take those opportunities when he gets them and, and make the most of them. Capo Kakinen, to me, I don't know how he wouldn't be the goaltender of the future at some point. Probably not ready to step into that break great uh, spotlight at this point, but was the American Hockey League goaltender of the year last year. Definitely did some great things for the Iowa Wild. And when he's had his chances with Minnesota, has shown that he can play in the National Hockey League. I called two or three of his games during an East Coast swing last year in New Jersey, Boston, and the Rangers. And he looked fantastic to me. But now he has to do it on a regular basis when he gets that opportunity. And hopefully he can do that when he gets a chance to see it. Yeah, I think some fans were eager to just uh, maybe just throw him in there and give him a chance and just see, but oof, that's asking a lot, isn't it? <laughs> of a young yeah, and, and Cam Talbot, you know, again, has done it on a really high level with the Edmonton Oilers and some other teams, and he's going to get an opportunity to show that his career isn't over as well. So hopefully once he gets in there, he can do some good things and, and they can get some stability and goal. That's the problem with this team. The biggest thing, it, it wasn't so much – scoring goals. I felt like they could put the puck in the net to some level. I thought defensively they were remarkable, but the problem was Devin Dubnik gave up on a more regular basis than you would like those softies. And that's going to kill a team uh, like the Minnesota wild. So, I mean, they don't have an Alex Ovechkin. They don't have a guy that's going to, you know, light it up on a, on a regular basis. They've got to have solid goaltending and they haven't had that in about a year and a half other than Alex Stalock who in my mind is, is a very good backup. I don't know that you can rely on him for, you know, 60, 70 games. And I think that's why they, they turned to Calvin here. Let's talk a little bit about Rossi, uh, the wild selected forward, Marco Rossi with the ninth pick in the NHL draft. Uh, what should fans like about uh, what Rossi brings to the rink, uh, Kevin? 
He's not huge, but he can he can move the puck. And this is a guy, you know, the wild outside of Marion Gabrick and now most recently uh, Kevin Fiala. Those are the two game breakers that I can think of in wild history. Hopefully, again, there's a third one coming here in Kirill Kaprizov, but they hope Marco Rossi can develop into that as well. Again, he's not huge, but he can move the puck. He can do some things with the puck that we haven't seen in a wild uniform all that often. So, I think people are going to be very excited about what he can do. Now, is it going to be this year? I don't know. At, at some point, they have to decide if he's going to stay with the, with the big club or if they have to move him back to juniors. But if they get the opportunity to use this kid and he can show what he can do, um, man, they have some power coming in this lineup. Uh, and hopefully it's this year. But if not, I think it's going to be relatively soon. Yeah, he put up some monster numbers, didn't he? I mean, you look at this, his numbers, it's just blows you away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean. There isn't not a lot of uh, guys in in wild history have been able to light the lamp like a kid like Rossi has the potential to. But again, potential only goes so far. You got to get the opportunity to do it once you're on the ice, and uh, sometimes that's easier said than done. But I, I think they feel like they hit a home run with this kid, and uh, they'll have an opportunity to show it hopefully soon. So that'll be exciting, and then we get Kaprizov finally after what five, was it five years of waiting for this kid? Oh my God. He was drafted in the fifth round of 2015. Wow. So, yeah, it's been a long time. You know, they, they had the, uh, the the contract thing, and once you sign a contract in the KHL, you ain't getting out of it. The, the Russian Federation aren't, aren't going to just let him go because you're, you're nice to them. Uh, so they locked him down for a long, long time. But finally, that contract came to an end at the end of last season. He was supposed to make his Minnesota Wild debut. Even at, to some degree, they, they ended up not letting him be available for the qualifying round, but we had an earmark that he was going to make his debut in the, it wasn't really a training camp, but the camp getting ready for the return to play stuff when they headed off to Edmonton. He was going to be at Trier Rink in St. Paul, and we'd actually get to see him in a wild uniform. Visa issues and getting into the States didn't work so well because of COVID, so that day is coming here very soon. But I know wild fans – Myself, everybody's been waiting to see this kid with that number 97 uniform uh, on his back. And I, I think we're excited because that, that day's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Th- I mean, there are a lot of bright spots to look forward to. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, we haven't had just that exciting, pure goal scorer for a long, long time. You brought up Gabrick. And how many years ago was that? I mean, my God. But uh, the, the kind of player that once they get that puck on their stick and, uh, and they're coming down the ice at their full speed, man. You stop everything and watch because you want to see what happens next. That's what's been so fun about Fiala because we haven't had that that type of player on this team. We've had some goal scorers. We've had some some, some great players, but we haven't had that type of electricity uh, in a loud uniform outside of Gabrick. Uh, Fiala was doing some good stuff, though. Holy moly, could that kid, kid fire some pucks. I think his last goal prior to the COVID pause was an overtime winner in Anaheim. And what he did with that puck was just vintage Fiala. What what he's what what he's done now is he's got himself some confidence and he's just continued to build upon that. I hope that didn't go away in this uh, malaise that we've been feeling over the course of for the most part the last six months outside of the those four games. But if you can get him with his confidence continuing to 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 hopefully rise, not just plateau, but throw Kaprizov on that. Another kid who everyone thinks is going to be a game breaker throw Rossi in on the mix on that mm-hmm. it's exciting times to get the goaltending to go with it and I think you, you most would agree 
that the blue line for the Wild, as it currently stands, is one of the best in the National Hockey League. All that stuff could culminate into some good things for the Wild this upcoming season, whatever that looks like. I tell you what, I sh- I sure do like that retro jersey that they came <laughs> out with this week. If you're a North Star fan, you're like, hey, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I liked it as well. You know, we were talking about Al Shaver, and and again, I, I make no bones about it. I grew up a North Star fan uh, with Dino Cicerelli, uh, Neil Broughton. Uh, I've said many times that I've had some great moments and, and great memories in 20 years of Minnesota Wild Hockey. But for me, the number one moment of this team for my memory bank, 2003 was nice. No doubt about it. That's something that was just ridiculous. But the stadium series game at TCF Bank Stadium was amazing. But it was the day before the alumni game to have the North Stars and Wild converge against the old Blackhawks and see Cicerelli and Madonna and Walls and Darby and all these guys on the ice at the same time in those uniforms was so cool. So that's why this thing hits home for me, the, the retro uniform in the old North Star colors and blending in with the uh, Wild logo. I think it's pretty cool. And I think for fans that haven't seen it, wild.com, go to hockeylodge.com. You can see it for yourself because it is pretty cool. I, I don't know exactly who to credit for the brainchild of this. I think Adidas had a good chunk of, of work on it. So did the Wild and, and some of their staff. But I, I give them complete kudos because it's pretty neat. You might sell a few of those during the Christmas holiday here. This is my pretty gut. good timing, right? As we uh, make our way towards Black Friday. Yeah, I think they're hoping that uh, those fly off the shelf. And uh, the early returns are pretty good from what I understand. Uh, that's some genius marketing is what that is. That's uh, And the timing, you're right. Uh, right on yeah. the money there. Uh, you mentioned uh, Suter and Parisi not going anywhere, of course. They have those long-term contracts. What's left on, on those? And do you think in hindsight, what, do you think the organization feels maybe that was the wrong move to make? Because I know, God, I was I, I was a guy who was just thrilled when when that signing was announced, and I was like, man, here we go, and it, it just yeah turned into that. I mean, it, it, the benefit of revisionist history is you can go back and criticize anything, right? You know, right. who knows what we're going to look at Marco Rossi in, in ten years? It might be the worst pick ever. Then the kid that was taken tenth ends up being the game breaker. I, I'll tell you this much. 2012, July 4th, 2012, when they signed Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, that was a game changer in the history of the Minnesota Wild franchise. That This was a team and a franchise that was just kind of muddling in the middle, kind of floating in the middle of the pack, and they needed something to put them on the map, and it came in the form of Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. I mean, this was a, this was a heck of a one-two punch. It was supposed to culminate into many, many – at least finals appearances, great Stanley Cup playoff runs, and and some championships to go with it. It hasn't culminated into that, but I can't I can't imagine anyone saying that that it was a mistake. Thirteen year contract, probably not the best idea if you go back and you think about it. Who knows what the long term ramifications are going to be for this franchise? But I don't think anyone can argue that Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter have done what they can on the ice for this franchise. Ryan Suter is still one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. No bones about it. Zach Parisi, when healthy, is one of the angriest players I've ever seen on the ice. And, and I don't mean angry as in Derek Bougard punched someone's lights out, but he's just an, an antagonist around the net. And he takes a beating. Man, the guy takes cross checks to the small of his back, across his shoulder blades, bounces up every time, and bangs home 30 pucks. I, you know, the guy's averaging 20, 25, 30 goals a season in a, in a wild uniform. So 
I know that they still hope that there's more for them to give to the Minnesota Wild and their fan base, but I don't think you can argue that uh, what what the, that the Wild made the right choice in signing him back in 2012. I still think that it would have been a mistake to say no thanks to Zach Crazy and, and and Ryan Suter. I think they've been phenomenal for the Minnesota Wild franchise and this organization. Yeah, uh, Parisi with with uh, the the way he plays and and you're right, getting getting cross checked in the back all the time, and then he comes up with the back and you know terrible back injury. It's no surprise. It's almost like a Byron Buxton thing for the Twins, right? Where you're like, God, he's running into walls so hard and he's diving and he's hurting himself. Yeah, but that's the way that's the way they play the game. That that's Zach Parisi. I mean, that's the way he was when he was in New Jersey. I, I don't know. Maybe that was the way he was in, at Shattuck as well. That's the way he played in North Dakota. It's the way he played in in Jersey, and it's certainly the way he's played with the Minnesota Wild. It, it's never going to change because that's just the way he's he's built. That's the way his makeup is, and his idea of playing the game is play it as hard as you can, move your legs as fast as you can, and get to that blue ice and create havoc. And that's how he 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 gets his goals. And that's not going to change. As long as he's wearing skates, I think that's the way he's going to play. So we had a talk uh, last week about um, sports cards and our least favorite trading cards that we had. And Spence yeah. brought up uh, what uh, Chuck Foreman, right? Oh, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually have that. Yeah, Chuck Foreman in a Patriots uniform. Oh. Yeah. And <laughs> I my, my least favorite baseball card was Harmon Killebrew in a Kansas City Royals uniform. In 1970. Yeah, yuck. Uh, yeah. That's just, that's just, I mean, right to the heart, right? Uh, are yeah. we going to feel that way about a Miko Koivu trading card this year, or how are we going to feel about that? Miko Koivu in a Columbus Blue Jackets jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, seeing Gabrick in a Kings or a Rangers jersey was kind of the same thing. I mean, for me, when, when I talk about hockey, seeing Neil Broughton in a New Jersey Devils uniform, yeah. not a fan of that. Madonna, yeah. Mike Madonna in a Red Wings uniform. Uh, nah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, those are always tough to swallow. It, it never gets easier. You, you know, even looking at uh, actually Charlie Coyle is probably one that belongs in a Boston Bruins uniform. Maybe even more than a lot. He's got that thick Boston accent. But yeah, seeing Koivu in a uh, Columbus Blue Jackets jersey isn't going to be easy to take. It, it, he was longtime captain in the with the Minnesota Wild. First full-time captain in franchise history, dating back to 2009. Drafted in 2001, uh, made his debut after the lockout in 05. Uh, so it's going to be weird to see him in anything. You know, even weirder than that, seeing him in a, in a Blue Jackets uniform is going to be strange, but not seeing him in the middle of the wild locker room, uh, to me, that's going to be even more weird to walk in there and see some of these faces that are missing, but nothing's going to be more glaring than having the uh, the, the finished sensation that is Nico Koivu not in that locker room. It's, it's going to be a little strange. Well, uh, hopefully we can get this hockey thing going. Hopefully it is, uh, you know, if not early January, sometime soon after that. And, of course, uh, we've got the games here in Mankato on Rock 95, 95.7 on the FM dial. And, of course, you're home for Jeff Spence in the morning. Yeah, hey, yeah, there you go. Good station, right? <laughs> Highly recommend Al that. Shaver, Bob Kurtz. Jeff Spence. Yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. But not in that order. <laughs> no, he's number one in my book. That's for sure. Well, uh, Me too. we'd love to hit you up again. Uh, once the season gets started, we'll uh, we'll invite, uh, invite you back to puck guys or ball guys or whatever you want to call it. Meanwhile, we'll probably hit you up for the uh, 
the pro shop discount on the uh, retro jersey. So if you have a <laughs> code for us, that'd be great. I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll, I'll get you the same discount I get. How about that? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kevin, appreciate your time, man. Uh, we, we had a, a blast talking to you and, and uh, keep up the great work there on the uh, Minnesota Wild Hockey Network. Fellas, anytime, anytime we can squeeze in some puck, top, uh, puck talk, I'm all about it. So thanks for having me. Have fun and stay safe. There you go. That's another round of ball, guys.